This is Novel Marketing. I'm James L. Rubart. I'm Thomas Umstadt Jr. And this is the show for novelists who are not necessarily fond of marketing, but still want to become best-selling authors. We know you hate it. It's okay. Because <laughs> we love you. And we're glad you're listening. In this episode, we're going to be talking about writing conferences. Uh, now, I know a lot of you are independent uh, pu- published authors. And you're like, I don't need a writer's conference. But the reality is, is that if you are wanting to get published through a traditional publisher, if you're not wanting to put up the money yourself and you want access to bookstores and you don't have connections already in the industry, writing conferences are one of the best places, not just to meet editors and agents, but also other writers who can help mentor you in your path to success. So we are going to tell you what not to do at writers conferences. <laughs> what not to do, yeah. We're going to tell you what not to do, and then we're going to tell you how to do it correctly. Because all of the things we're going to describe not to do, we have seen this done. Not once, not twice, many, many, many times. And some of us may have done some of those things ourselves. <laughs> yes, but, yes, uh, indeed. And and also, even if you're an indie uh, published author, there are still principles embedded in here that you'll be able to use in other parts of your marketing. That's right. So uh, for those of you not familiar, Writers Conference uh, typically uh, consists of multiple elements. The first is that there are classes to go to. And so we're not going to be talking about the classes part of it. But I would say one of the biggest mistakes I see a lot of beginning authors go to is they don't go to any of the classes. They're like, I'm just, my book is perfect. And I'm here to pitch editors and agents. And they're not any of the classes. And they spend hundreds of dollars, sometimes thousands of dollars to then not learn. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And back to our uh, Marketing 101 philosophy that your book is your best advertising tool. So learn the craft. Go to the classes. Learn these things that, that you need to. Because if you can't write, none of these other things are going to help. But we're not going to talk about writing in this episode. This isn't the novel writing podcast. This is the novel (laughs) marketing Marketing podcast. podcast. So we're going to be talking about everything around your book. So we're going to assume that your book is really good. Now, I realize this is kind of a big assumption because everyone is born bad at writing. And so you have to get through the bad writing before you can get to the good writing. But all right. So one thing I've heard, Jim, is that you need a one sheet. Yeah, and some people say you don't need a one sheet. I am a fan of a one sheet. And a one sheet is nothing. uh, Don't let the term scare you or go, I don't know how to do that. I don't know what it is. A one sheet is essentially one sheet of paper that describes who you are. It describes what your project is. Real briefly describes what the project is about and has your contact information on there. So essentially, it's something you can hand, especially people who maybe are a little more nervous about meeting with an editor or an agent, that you can hand them this and go, now you kind of get a feel for who I am. It's a single piece of paper that summarizes your entire life and worth in the world. Yes. So no pressure. (laughs) Using 50 words or less. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so uh, basically I just, you know, get on Microsoft Word and print out a couple pages and get a nice really pretty photo of myself you know from 10 or 15 years ago when I wasn't quite so ugly as I am now and um, that's the key to success right it, it is it's essentially what you want to do is you want to go Google one sheets writer one sheets study those and uh, really try to do exactly the same thing as you see online because conforming to everyone else is the way you stand out <laughs> that's how you stand out <laughs> no, wait that's a minute ex- that's exactly what is done and should not be done in other words you, people do that they go one sheet one sheet I gotta educate myself okay now I know what a one sheet is and then they copy what they see online the problem is what why do we need you if we can have that other guy <laughs> that's right you do not distinguish yourself and if you've learned one thing Thomas and I are big about you know, distinguish yourself, do something that's going to make you stand out. So what you see everyone else doing, 
don't do. You don't want to do that. Now, there are ways of distinguishing yourself that make you look really bad. So yes. we're not saying spray perfume on your one sheet so that it suddenly smells better than all the other people's one sheet. So you want to find ways of setting your one sheet apart in ways that still make you look like a professional, the kind of person they would want to work with. Absolutely, but get creative. And if you have to, and if you know somebody that's into graphic design, have them help you with this because this can make a big difference. The other thing is I see people who try to be copywriters and essentially a one sheet, you need a copywriter to do it well and they try to do that themselves. And so we don't have time to go into this in detail in this episode. We'll probably do a, a one sheet episode, but spend time to do it right. And if that means hiring or partnering with experts, take the time to do that. Thomas, what's another thing? Uh, so the second thing is networking. So uh, the key here is to just hand your business card to as many people as possible, right? <laughs> That's like, right. You know, the one who hands out the most business cards wins. That's right. That's right. The one with the hands yeah, and has the most appointments wins. And the person who, frankly, who uses the most cliched lines like, it's just so nice to meet you, or what a pleasure to meet you, or thank you for meeting with me, I really think you'll like my manuscript. (laughs) No, 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 you don't do that. Again, if you are meeting somebody, you want to stand out, right? One of the things I've noticed, writers' conferences tend to attract two kinds of people. Okay. There's Calvin from Calvin and Hobbes. And Susie from Calvin and Hobbes. Oh, nice. <laughs> so Susie checks all the boxes. She doesn't break any of the rules. And she uh, follows, you know, she's very conforming. And she's always doing good with the teacher. And when you have 100 of her, you don't need any more of her. That's right. And um, then you have the handful of folks at the Writers' Conference that are the Calvins. And they're the ones who are more likely to walk away with the, ma- with the contract, assuming that their book is good. And so... Be like Calvin, except comb your hair. <laughs> <laughs> and smile for the picture. <laughs> That's right? right. That's right. Right. Um, this is a small thing, but it's an important thing. When you're developing your marketing materials, and by this I mean you probably will have a business card, you might have a one sheet, probably have a website, uh, those things need to go together. In other words, if I pick up your business card and it's one color scheme and a certain number of graphics on it that say flowers and uh, rainbows and sunshine and this, and then I go to your website and it's dark and brooding and, and gloomy, uh, and neither of those are wrong depending on what your genre is and what your personality is, but those two things are going to clash, and that's a disconnect in the mind of an editor or an agent. And, and you don't want them to be consistent for consistency's sake. You don't get any bonus points for being consistent. But inconsistency is a sign that you don't know what your brand is. And it's a symptom of a much more systemic problem. And we have some wonderful episodes. In fact, these are, I think, our three most popular episodes as a collection. And that's our branding episodes, which is episode 41, 42, and 43. And I would go and go through those steps that we explain. We're not going to go into them here. Go through those steps and those will help you get answered, ask the right questions and then find the right answers so that all of your marketing is consistent. And that way it's coming from a place of it's communicating who you are and not who everyone else is that you're ripping off. (laughs) (laughs) Another small thing, and this has to do um, with how you portray yourself on your website is get an updated picture of yourself. I was at a conference recently and met this gal and then went to her website and I thought I had the wrong website because the picture on the website was so radically different from who she was in person now. And so the 10-year-old photo, the 15-year-old photo is not going to work for you. It's also the old photo is a symptom of someone who's writing out of a place of trying to find affirmation and um, 
they're feeling insecure, so they're feeling if they feel better about themselves through success in writing, they'll feel like a better person or whatever. They're doing it for psychological reasons. And those kinds of authors aren't successful. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> the authors that are successful, they're the ones doing it out of a place of security and wanting to bless and serve others, and it's not about them. And so it the purpose of the photo, you want to look professional, invest in a good uh, photo of yourself, you know, but you know, that puts your best face forward, but it needs to be your face, not who you used to be back in the days you're trying to relive. Another tip would be if you are someone that likes, I'll call them a gimmick. I'll call them gimmicks to make yourself stand out, to make yourself memorable. Gimmicks can be huge, hugely successful, and they can be hugely horrible. Uh, I went to one conference where this guy forced this wristband on everybody at the conference. Nobody wanted the wristbands, but they were polite. They put them on. Believe me, this guy is memorable, but not in a good way. Uh, on the other hand, our friend Susan May Warren, she did this seminar on, you know, be a superhero. Be a superhero in your writing. And she handed out these these little squishy, you know, hand squeeze things, and it looked like like somebody from The Incredibles. And she had everyone write on that, right on the squishy thing, um, how they're going to be a superhero when they go home in their writing. Now that's powerful because you're going to remember that you invested in it and it fit her theme. So I will say, be very careful with your gimmicks because it's, they, they crash more than they fly. (laughs) Yeah. This is a high risk, uh, endeavor. It's, it's the Hail Mary pass of, I know not a lot of you necessarily listen to football, but in Hail Mary is when you throw this giant pass across the field and it's either going to be an interception or a touchdown and more times it's an interception. And so be very, very careful with gimmicks and it needs to have good taste because editors and agents, especially what makes them effective is the fact that they have taste. That's why they're trusted. You know, they're trusted for their taste. And so if you are shown to be someone who does not have good taste, then those kinds of people are not going to find you attractive and you will have no other option than independent publishing. That's right. And, and, and a lot of times gimmicks do not, gimmicks need to be customized. They cannot be, one size does not fit all. I'll give you an example. I sat down, this is in 2007, so before I was published, before I had any kind of contracts, and I sat down with an editor, and we started talking about Alias Smith and Jones, this TV show from the 60s, and we found out that we both loved the show. Well, when I got home, I went on Amazon, and I bought a DVD of Alias Smith and Jones, and I mailed it to this editor. That was a huge, huge, huge win, and she ended up becoming my executive editor a few years later. So that, in a sense, was a gimmick, but in another sense, it was not at all, because I, I knew this would win with her. And it was based off of a real-life interaction. Yes that you had and it was done as something a friend would do not as a, like a panting Correct. desperate nervous uh, fan, uh, fanatic let's talk about editor and agent appointments because this is like you said Thomas a lot of people will go to the conference and this is why they've gone so the key in the editor and agent appointment is to just talk as fast as you can so you can get as much of your messaging through as possible and you never let them get a word in edgewise right well kind of you want to give them one minute at the end of the 15 minute <laughs> appointment. enough time to say yes i want to buy your <laughs> that's book that's right yeah oh no so the key to success here with interacting with agents is you need to be asking questions you need to approach it like a learner get them talking probably the most useful question i found talking with agents and editors is what kind of writing are you looking for 
because you can save yourselves both a lot of time if they're not looking for your kind of writing or if you have two or three different stories and they're only looking for the kind that one of them fits well that one question just saved you 10 minutes of pitching things you know they wouldn't be interested in and you get them into the habit of saying yes rather than no and if you're in that appointment and you ask a question you realize you are not a fit for the agent or the editor and vice versa use the rest of your 15 minutes but talk to them as if they are an expert because they are an expert I'd love to know this. I'd love to know this. What do you think about this? This is my situation. What would you recommend? And I, I did that. I went, early in my career, I went to a lot of appointments where I did not pitch anything. What I did is respected them, learned, gleaned information, and guess what happens when you do that? Those people like you, <laughs> and they will recommend you, and you'll start to build relationships that extend beyond that 15-minute appointment. Our friend Randy Ingermanson, uh, I love that he says, when you go to a conference, do not think contracts. Think contacts. Start to build that network like you would in any other business. Start to build relationships, and that often is the biggest dividend. That's absolutely right. You need to realize that them giving you these 15 minutes is them giving you a gift. Some of these editors and agents and other professionals charge two or $300 an hour. So this 15-minute appointment is a $20, 30 40 $50 gift. And that's an, a wonderful opportunity to get their feedback on how your writing could be better. You know, To hire them as an editor, as a freelance editor, uh, would be real expensive, but they're giving it to you for free, so you don't want to squander that time. So, Jim, does this actually work? Like, Do people actually go to conferences and get contracts? <laughs> it does. It does. It does happen. Um, and I'll tell it, not a contract, but I got a job at one of my early conferences where I sat down um, with an editor and he said, do you, have a, do you have a sample of your writing? So we sit down. Within 15 seconds, he says, do you have a sample of your writing? I said, yes, I do. I handed it to him. I sat there for the next two minutes saying nothing. He was saying nothing because he was reading my sample. He hands it back to me. He goes, Okay, you can write. We're going to give you a job. Here's the con. Here, here's here's my card. Uh, we'll be emailing you. And I did get a contract for a job. The whole 15 minute appointment took two minutes and 45 seconds. So, I guess the point of that is it always comes back ultimately to the writing. That's right. And uh, this isn't the writing podcast, but you really do need to invest in your writing, especially for those of you who are writing fiction, because. Everything rises and falls on that. As we say over and over again, good marketing helps bad writing fail faster. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, if you're able to see lots and lots of agents and editors, you're turning more and more off if you're not investing in your writing. And you always start off bad. No one is born a good writer. And so there's nothing wrong with being a bad writer. We're all there. Some of us are still there. <laughs> but any of us can become a good writer given uh, that if we maintain a teachable spirit and the ability and willingness to work hard. This episode of the Novel Marketing Podcast has been brought to you by the ultimate crowdfunding course for authors. Thomas himself and a friend of ours, Mary, put this course together to help indie authors specifically who want to raise the money that they need to write the book ahead of time. And the great thing about it, this is not, these are not methods that Thomas has researched and hopes work. These are methods that he's used, uh, gosh, multiple, multiple times to do crowdfunding campaigns for uh, clients of his and also for himself. So this stuff works. So if you're interested in doing that, I'd encourage you to go and check that course out. 
are you keeping novel marketing a secret? Is there someone in your life who could benefit from subscribing to this podcast? Help them and us by letting them know about novelmarketing.com. Ooh, I like that. I like that. We would appreciate it if you would do that. This has been the Novel Marketing Podcast, giving you novel ideas on how to promote yourself and your writing offline, online, and everywhere in between.